0: This morning, if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to start at the first verse, reading from the New International Version. Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Let me say that again. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. From this text, I want to um, preach to you on the title, Living by Faith. Living by Faith. Pray with me. Abba, Father. I just pray that this would be your message and not mine, that you would preach, you would proclaim, and I would just be your instrument, your vehicle for saying what you want to say. To these, your children, my sisters and brothers, in the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Living by faith. You know, I'm usually a little hesitant to preach on the topic, the word faith. Probably because faith is one of the most abused, thrown around words out there. Faith gets prostituted. I mean, a lot of people bring up faith and there's a lot of meanings behind that. And so a lot of times I'm hesitant to to talk about faith. But at the same time, it's at the core of what it means to be Christian. So that's why you have to talk about it. And two, I know that as we go into the Christmas season, this is a time of year when a person's faith can either be strengthened or it could be shaken or it could be shattered. Faith is a fragile thing, yet faith is a powerful thing. And so I thought that I would walk through the 11th chapter of Hebrews and talk a little bit about faith. I don't have time to dissect every sentence, every verse, but I think there's some principles that we can pull out of the 11th chapter of Hebrew that can help clarify, maybe even purify, this word we know, faith. Well, it says faith is being sure of what We hope for and certain of what we do not see. Uh, That's the first principle that I want to talk about, that faith is based on what you can't see, not what you can see. Faith is based on what you're hoping for, not necessarily how things are right now. That's very important to understand because a lot of people base their faith based on what they can see, what they can touch, what they can hear, what they've been through. I I I used to be a youth pastor, and I would meet a lot of young people who would tell me they did not believe in God. They had no faith. And when I would ask them questions, most of the time, these young people that said they had no faith, it was because of something they had been through with another person. My parents divorced, so I have no faith. I was abused, so I have no faith. I was mistreated, so I have no faith. See, some people base their faith on what they can touch what they can see. And so if somebody's been through a bad experience, they have bad faith. If somebody's been through a good experience, they feel they have good faith. I need to tell you, sisters and brothers, that faith is not based on what you can touch, what you can taste, what you can grab. It's not based on what you went through. Faith is about in spite of what you've been through, you believe. And if you don't have it, you live as if you're going to have it. If you're not experiencing it right now, you are determined, you are focused. You're saying, I haven't been loved, but I'm going to live as if I'm going to be loved. Matter of fact, I'm going to proclaim right now I am loved because through faith I have a relationship with ultimate love. Faith is not based on experience so much. It's not so much based on what you can touch, what you can taste, what you can grab. Faith is what you're hoping is going to happen. Faith is certain of what you cannot see. That's why Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to me was such a good example in our contemporary culture of a faith preacher. He would preach messages like, I have a dream. So he's preaching about something that hasn't happened yet, that somebody else is going to see it. See, the reason we can sit in a multi-ethnic Christ-centered room and have a sneak preview of the heavenly realms is because way back when, somebody spoke on faith. See, when you speak on faith, somebody else down the line could experience the reality of what you hope for. Faith. Is about what you can't see. I need to be honest with you. Faith is not easy. Faith is hard. It's not easy. That's what leads me to my next point. Verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. See, faith is about understanding the universe differently. It's about knowing that, yes, God formed the universe. Uh, God is the author, the, the beginning, the end, the middle, all good, all God, all powerful. But yet, I can't prove that to you. Faith is not science. Faith is not something you can prove to people. Faith is not some academic intellectual formula because sometimes, I have to be honest, some of the stuff in the Word of God, some of the stuff that faith is based on doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. See, if you try to make, you know, Christianity math, It's not going to add up because I know two and two equals four. I know one and one equals two, but there's a whole different thing that doesn't make sense about faith. See, faith, a virgin has a baby. How can one then be two? That don't make no sense. You see what I'm saying? See, a lot of people struggle with their faith because they're trying to prove stuff. I got to prove God made the world. I got to prove Jesus walked the earth. I got to prove that the Holy Spirit is the being of God. I have to prove. And then when you can't bottle it up, when you can't package it, when you can't market it, when you can't make a doll out of it, when you can't make a movie out of it that people will buy a ticket to see, then people are rocked in their faith. Stop trying to prove stuff that doesn't make sense doesn't make sense a virgin had a baby it doesn't make sense that you can take you know a a piece of fish and some bread and multiply it and feed thousands of people it doesn't make sense that dry bones can live that there's life after death that is not a formula that's not science let's stop trying to make some intellectual academic mathematical formula out of something that takes faith to live out faith is not science Uh, The next one says, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. Uh, By faith, he still speaks. I don't like this part, even though he's dead. Faith is costly. No, sometimes faith is dangerous. Faith is revolutionary. See, sometimes I'm bothered by that in the United States of America, we make faith this soft, nice, comfortable, Disney-like fantasy. Faith is not easy. Faith is hard. Faith is not science. And sometimes faith is dangerous. See, we take for granted that in our country, we can publicly assemble. We can tell people, I'm going to church. I'm going to get my praise on. I'm going to worship. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to pray. I'm going to hear the word. Well, do you know that in another country around the globe right now, somebody could die for doing what we're doing. Someone could go to prison for doing what we're doing right now it is illegal in places around the world to freely go and worship god and we need to understand that faith is dangerous faith is costly for for abel faith cost him his life but his life speaks to us today faith is radical faith is revolutionary we we need to stop giving this soft sell on faith. We need to stop making faith seem so comfortable. There'll be people that hate you for your faith. There will be people that talk about you because of your faith. There will be people that don't want to hang around you anymore because of your faith. And I'm just talking about the church folks. I mean, there are people... They won't like you because of your faith, because you've decided to live on something that you can't explain to people, that you can't package and market, that you can't commodify. You've decided to live by faith, and sometimes people don't like you. Why you got to live like that? Does it take all that? Do you have to talk that way? I mean, why can't you be like you were before? I mean, what's going on? It's faith. It says in verse six, without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to God must believe that God exists and that God rewards those who earnestly seek Him. It is impossible to please God without faith. Faith is the root. It's the foundation of the relationship you have with God. See, this relationship of intimacy and adventure and transformation and grace, this intimate romance with God, you can't see God. You can't touch God. That's why the relationship has to be undergirded. It has to be rooted in faith. See, by faith, I know that God loves me. I know that God has a plan for me. I know that God has changed my life. I know that God is with me. God is walking with me. God cares about my condition and, in my, and my situation. And even in the midst of a storm, God is still present trying to talk to me and comfort me and counsel me and remind me. It takes faith to walk in a relationship like that. It takes faith to say, when I'm in my car, God's still with me. When I'm walking, God is with me. When I'm in a hospital. God is not through with me yet. When I'm divorced, God still has a love relationship for me. Romance is not over for me because God is still in my presence, is still in my midst. It takes God, it takes faith to know that in my car I can have a worship service. I don't have to wait till I get in a building with a whole bunch of people with some nice seats and and some lights and a sound system and graphic support. I can be in my living room with no graphic support, with no stage with no nice cheers I can be on them old couches with plastic on it when it's ripping apart and I can still praise him because it's faith baby it's faith See, the problem in Christendom is too many people need stuff to get them excited about God. You can put me in the midst of nothing, and I still love him. I still want him. I still want to praise him. I still want to pray to him. I still want to ask if he's out there somewhere. Is there a God thinking about Ephraim Smith? Could there in the midst of pain and suffering and storms and nothingness be an almighty heavenly God on a throne thinking about this brother right here? You can't walk out this Christian life without faith. Prayer doesn't make sense without faith. Why fast if you don't have faith? Why read the word? I mean, why jump into this adventure with God without faith? You won't last long. Faith is your perseverance. Faith is your longevity. Faith is your identity. Faith is the very breadth and depth of what it means to be Christian. Verse 7 says, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Faith ought to cause you to build something based on stuff you can't see yet, but God's revealed to you that it's going to happen. That's what faith is. I said faith is about building something based on what you can't see, but God has already revealed it to you, so you build it now. People of faith ought to be spiritual architects. You ought to be a supernatural carpenter. When's the last time you took out your toolbox and you pulled out your tools of grace and mercy and prayer and fasting and accountability and vision and provision and revelation and wisdom and healing and you started constructing something for your marriage. You started building something for your kids. You had dreams and you started building upon your dreams. You had a vision, so you started constructing something to undergird the dream and the vision you have. You have a passion. So you started building something, and you started pouring the mortar and laying out your foundation. You started drawing up your blueprint because you're an architect. Sister, don't you know you're supposed to build something? Brother, don't you know that sometimes you got to pull out your supernatural hammer and nails, and you got to sweat, and you got to work a little bit. Build something for your marriage so that it will last. Kids don't raise themselves. Build an ark and get your kids in there. Build an ark and get your marriage in there. Build an ark. Put your dreams someplace where they'll be sheltered and protected so people don't stomp on them and squish them out and suffocate them. Put your passion, put your gifts in the ark. What are you building? If you're a person of faith, you ought to be building something. You ought to be constructing something that's preparing you for the time to come. Jesus is coming back, and I'm building as I wait. He's gonna crack the sky one day. The trumpet will sound. The devil will get the final defeat. And when the whistle blows in the fourth quarter, I'll say, "Look what I built." I'm ready to go. I know. Okay, okay. It's it's 2002 now. If you if you feel that building an ark is too old fashioned, then build you a space shuttle. But build something. (laughs) Build something. Build shoes so you can run for God. Build a plane so that you can fly to higher heights. But in the supernatural realm, you must be about building something if you're a person of faith. Verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Being a person of faith means that you have to be ready to go at any time. At any time, if God says it's time to go, you have to be ready. You can't hesitate. You can't stall. You must, if God says it's time to go, if God has a direction for your life, people of faith, are, you, are your ears in a position when you, where you can hear when God says go? Are you in a position to go if God says go? What that means is you cannot get too stuck on anything earthly. Don't get too addicted to your house because God might tell you to go. Don't get too addicted to the neighborhood you live in. Because what if God would tell you to go? Don't get too stuck on your job. See, some of us we're so addicted to our job that if we don't get a raise, if we don't get a promotion, we get depressed. Maybe the reason you're not getting a raise is because it's time to go. Maybe the reason you're not getting a promotion is because it's time to go. Maybe the people are looking at you funny because it's time for you to say, I was leaving anyway. It's okay that you treat me like you do. I'm bye. Look, I'm putting my books off my bookshelf in a box I got some duct tape and I got thank you notes to everybody thanks for serving with me thanks for sitting next to me getting on my nerves the last 5, 6 years that I worked here cause I'm getting ready to go you should always be ready to leave someplace. See, this earth is not your home anyway. Christianity is about being prepared to leave. You should always be ready to go. Always. Some places don't even take your coat off when you get there because you won't stay long. (laughs) Don't get too addicted to your car. Don't get too addicted to your riches. Don't get too addicted to your clothes because you might have to leave. What if God says you're a missionary what if God says you're a doctor? Go. Go back to school. Go back home. Go. Be ready. See, some of us, we, need to, we just need to stretch every day just in case we might have to go. You know, I grew up, see, some of y'all, you grew up in real nice neighborhoods. I grew up in a neighborhood where you always had to be ready to run because <laughs> anything could happen. You know, you could be at a party. Ooh, oh. Always got to be the bus. I'm missing the bus. Ah! I should exercise more before I do these sermons. <laughs> oh, my whole left side hurts right now. Just doing <laughs> all that running. This is aerobics for me. Okay. What is this? Am I supposed to stand behind this? Okay. <laughs> Does Greg stand behind this? Oh, what's it? It's just symbolic, (laughs) okay? (laughs) It, It says here in verse 22, by faith Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. This verse is a principle for the elderly, the older, the wisdom corner. You know, those of you, your hairline's a little bit back further, and you didn't cut your hair that way, it did it by itself? Your hair's a little frosty now? This verse is to remind you that even though you might be in your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, your 90s, around 100, God is not through with you yet. The Bible says when Joseph was in his elderly years, his old years, he was still speaking. He was still ministering by faith. God is not done with you yet. It bothers me when churches treat older people like they don't have anything to contribute anymore, or they're just supposed to sit back and rest, or they're retired. No, you better get refired and know that God is not done with you yet. I don't care how old you are, God is not through with you. You still have wisdom to impart. You still have dreams to dream. You still have passions to become reality. There is stuff for you to do. We ought to get children to the laps of older people in the church. We ought to get teenagers at the feet of older people in the church. Youth ministry ought to be intergenerational, where older people are passing down and imparting wisdom and dreams and visions and pouring prayer over our young people. We need older people surrounding and protecting spiritually the babies of the church. God is not done with you yet. Now, I know the problem. Some older people, the the reason you might get frustrated is because you're saying, I had some dreams and they never got fulfilled. And I'm frustrated because I had a dream and now I'm older and it doesn't look like the dream's going to get fulfilled. Well, maybe it wasn't God's will for you to fulfill it. Maybe God gave you the dream so that you would pass it down to a young person so they would fulfill it. See, Moses understood that his job was to prepare Joshua to go into the promised land. Paul knew that it was his job to prepare Timothy who are you preparing to fulfill the dreams? Those dreams aren't there on accident. Who is in your life that you're pouring into because they're going to cross over. They're going to fulfill what God put on your heart. That's why it says in Joel and Acts That in the last days, the spirit will fall upon people and the older people will dream dreams and the younger people will have vision. Maybe the children and the youth of this church would have a revolutionary vision if the older people were dreaming about them and dreaming about how you can pass what's in you on to them. God's not done with you yet. Verse 23 says, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months. After he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child. It takes faith to raise children. If you don't believe it, get married and have some. If your prayer life is not good, just get married and have some kids. You pray every day. Oh, you pray. I know atheists that pray just because they got kids. I don't believe in you, but if you can help, you know what I'm saying? I love my kids, but they keep me praying. It takes more than the Dr. Spock book. It takes more than a little monthly journal. It takes more than the child expert on the Oprah Winfrey show. It takes more than the social work expert on Maury Povich. I love James Dobson, but it takes more than James Dobson to raise your kids. It takes faith to raise kids. It it does. It takes faith to love the hell out of kids and love heaven back into them. That takes some faith. I'm just being real. Take some faith. Pray for me. I got two kids. I love my daughters. I do things by faith because I, I, look, I am not one of them psychic hotline people. Even though a lot of them just got taken off TV. I wonder if they knew that. That was going to happen to them. (laughs) I mean, you think they would know they was going to go bankrupt. You suppose can tell other people their future but don't know their own, you know. (laughs) what a gift. (laughs) So I don't know how my kids are going to grow up. I mean, to be, I don't know. I I think I know. I want to know, but I don't know when they're going to come to Christ. I don't know what their occupation is going to be. I don't know what their family is going to look like. I don't know. I don't know. I have have to raise my kids by faith. I have to raise them hoping this happens. I have to be certain of things that I can't see now that it will happen. That's why my daughters and I have this thing. My daughter Jada is six. My daughter Maria, she is three. And so when I'm tucking them in bed at night, we have this thing where I say, I, I say, repeat after me. I'm a queen. I'm a queen. I'm God's daughter. I'm God's daughter. I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful. I'm a champion. I'm a champion. Say it again, daddy. I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful. I'm a queen. I'm a queen. I'm God's daughter. I'm God's daughter. I'm a champion. And I say that to them on faith, believing something will happen that I can't see yet. Why do I do this with my daughters? Because I know that they're going to live in a world that's going to call them different from what I call them. There's a word look my daughters are not going to be some sex symbol to sell a car or a beer. My daughters are not going to live below God's label for them. My I see higher things for my daughter than the world sees for them. I see better things for my daughters than the world sees for them. I don't know they might be a missionary, they might be a doctor, they might be a CEO. They might have their own kingdom in the earth that God dispatches them to oversee. I have to speak into their life excellence. By faith, believing that they will be what I can't see yet. What are you speaking into your kid's life, parents? What do you speak over them by faith? What do you pray over them by faith? Verse 24 says, by faith Moses, when he had grown up. Now you see what happens? Because of the faith of his parents, now Moses has his own faith working in his life. It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. To be a person of faith, we have to be willing to give up privileges so that all people can sit freely around the banquet table of God. Can I just say it like I feel it? In a racist world, white folks have to give up some privilege so that nobody lives like they're second-class citizens. In a sexist world, men have to sacrifice. Men have to give up some privileges so everybody can participate and feel like they have a voice and feel like God loves me too. God has a plan for me too. God has called me too. That God hears my prayers too. There's grace and mercy and transformation for me too. In order for there to be a Christ-centered, multi-ethnic, radical transformation, transforming community of God people must be willing to give up some sense of privilege and sacrifice this is not a beauty contest this is not a political race this is not a popularity contest nobody has to run for king or queen we already have a king on the throne so let's give up some of this hunger for the palace so everybody can have a place at the table see faith. Ask the question, would you be willing to relinquish the palace so that everybody can have a place? Isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus gave up the dominion of the heavenly realms for a time to come into the earth and be with those that needed liberation and deliverance and freedom. And we are called to do the same by faith. Well, let me bring up one last one. In verse 31, it says, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. I could preach just on that one, but you have to read Joshua chapter 2 for yourself. See, Rahab was a prostitute. In this context, in this society, in this world, you couldn't go any lower than a prostitute. Prostitutes were stoned to death. Women caught in adultery were killed, were murdered. I mean, that was like the worst. If you were female and prostitute, oh man. But yet her faith and her obedience transforms her identity. By the time we read the first chapter of Matthew in the New Testament, Rahab's name shows up again. But guess where her name is now? She's in the genealogy of Jesus. She's in the bloodline of the Messiah. She is no longer Rahab the prostitute, but she's Rahab, the great, 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 great grandparent of Jesus, the Messiah. Do you understand what faith is really about? Faith is saying, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what the world calls me. The world used to say I was a drug addict. They used to say I had suicidal thoughts. They used to say I was a depressant. They used to say I was H-A-F-J-D, one of them Ds. The, The world said I was this and I was that. But through faith, now I'm a conqueror. Now I'm a holy nation and a royal priesthood. I've come out of the darkness into the wonderful light. You don't even know my real name. My real name is in the Lamb's Book of God. You don't know who you're talking to. See, sometimes you got to wake up in the morning and look in the mirror on faith and remind yourself who you are. It's not about being arrogant. It's not about an ego trip. It's just saying, I know who I am because I'm tied into the great I am. (laughs) Faith changes your identity. Faith rearranges who you are. The problem is sometimes Christians, we spend too much time trying to use our faith to change people instead of letting faith change us. Faith is not your tool to change others. It's God's tool to change you. The best we can do is love somebody else into faith so they can be changed. Stop trying to change people and let's just love them. Maybe they should do like a long preaching series on love at this church or something like that. <laughs> like, like you should just like, I'm just gonna preach a couple weeks on love and then it's like 27 parts or something like that. Maybe, y'all, oh y'all did that already. <laughs> the visitors are going, what did he just say? What is he? Just, y'all still doing the series on love? That Greg Boyd. <laughs> Verse 32 says this. What more shall I say? What what is left to say? The author of Hebrews said, after all this, what else must I say to convince you that faith is crucial? Must I talk about Samson, Esther, David, Nathan, Samuel, Deborah, Anna, what must I say? I have nothing else to say to y'all. It's faith. I can't prove this to you. I'm tired of preachers getting up trying to prove something to people. We can't prove nothing to you. No matter how many degrees we have, we can't prove this thing. You know it or you don't know it. You live it or you don't. You jump in or you stay on the shore. You walk on water or you stay in the boat. What you going to do? You eat or you starve. I don't know what you going to do. Maybe right now there are people here that it's your faith moment. So let's pray together. Let's pray together. If you're here and Christianity doesn't make sense to you, but you know that it's time for you to step out on faith, you're not going to wait for Christianity to make sense. You're not going to wait for somebody to package and market to you some spiritual formula. You are ready to step out and see what happens. If there's anybody here today, sister or brother, that you know today is your day to make a faith decision, it doesn't make sense, but on faith you are going to Receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. You are going to by faith believe that Jesus came into the world as God and died on a cross and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins, but also for our eternal life. And that the Spirit of God longs to dwell within you so that you can be liberated and empowered and made new. If there's anybody here this morning that says yes, I need to make a faith step for the first time in my life. Would you just raise your hand? Don't be bashful. If you're saying, today is my day, I got to make a faith decision. Just put your hand in there. Yeah, I see that hand, sister. Amen. Amen, sister. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. Way in the back. Amen. Anybody else, you know today is your day. I got to make a faith decision. Amen. I see that hand. Amen, sister. Praise God. We we don't don't need to rush. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen, brother. Lord, have mercy. God is about anybody else. You say, today is my day. Amen. The Spirit of God is moving in this place. It doesn't matter what you did. Amen, sister. I see that hand. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter what thoughts you had in the car on the way over here. It only matters what happens by faith right here, right now. I have another question for some of you in here how many of you in here would say i'm a christian i know i am but i've been waiting for it to make sense for me to step out on faith on something i know i'm supposed to make a change in my life but i've been waiting for confirmation i've been waiting for a sense i've been waiting for a sign but i can't wait anymore I'm too jittery. I'm too, I can't wait anymore. I, I, I think God is calling me to something. I think God wants revival in me. I think God wants me to be refreshed and renewed. I think God wants me to make a different turn in life. I think God wants me to make a major decision now. And I can't wait for it to make sense. I just got to step out and say, God, you take care of it. You do it. If that is somebody, if that sounds like you, put your hand in air. Lord, have mercy. In prayer, would you just stand? If you raised your hand for either one of those, would you just stand with me? Just stand. That takes faith. Oh, y'all that have been praying for revival at the church, you've been praying for some of y'all in the church, you've been praying for resurgence. Here's the fruit of your faith. For those of you that have been praying, God, do something here at Woodland Hills. Do something radical. Do something revolutionary. God, have your way at this church. God, I give my church to you. God, do something powerful with us in St. Paul. If you open your eyes, you'll see the fruit of your labor. You'll see the fruit of your faith. The prayers that you've been throwing up week after week. Staff and elders, members, you've been praying and praying. You've been saying, we've been being attacked at Woodland Hills. God has been attacking us spiritually. Well, look, God said I can bring life even in the midst of the attack. Pray with me. For those that stood up to make a decision for the first time, pray with me. Dear God, can't wait for it to make sense. By faith, I believe you love me. By faith, I believe you have a plan for my life. By faith, I believe your plan is better than mine. By faith, I believe you sent your son to this earth to live among us To die on a cross and to raise again. To raise to life for the forgiveness of my sins and my life eternal. By faith, receive me. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new. By faith, I give you permission to invade every area of my life. For those that stood for revival, for resurgence, I pray for you. God, these are your children, my sisters and brothers. God, as they take the first step, you take the rest. Stand in the gap. Open the door. Whisper to our souls. Let us know if we're going the wrong way. Let us know what things we need to detach ourselves from, what things we need to be willing to release, what things we need to uh, pursue, what things we need to say. How can we live our lives tomorrow as a faith walk? Help me see how I can live by faith and not be so obsessed and tied into only the things that I can see. Help me love my spouse by faith, love my children by faith, go to work on faith, go to school on faith, wake up unemployed, but live throughout the day by faith, believing that something's going to happen somewhere. I don't know what, I can't see it, but by faith, I can smile and laugh and praise and pray and love, even in a storm. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you gave your life to Christ for the first time, Brother Chuck Fenrick on staff here is standing by a table of free resources. Please allow Brother Chuck to give you some information that can help you with your faith walk. If you stood up or didn't and you want additional prayer, there'll be prayer counselors up here at the front that would love to pray with you, would love to stand in the gap with you. You are not alone in this journey. You know, faith is not easy. Faith is hard. But you know what? Faith is doable. God bless you and thank you for allowing me to be with you.